Talk Radio, Overcoming Life's Obstacles. This is Jerry McGee of Abiding Life Ministries, and we'll be teaching the first and third Tuesdays of each month on living the overcoming life. You know, the promises of God are to the overcomer, and if we didn't have something to overcome, we couldn't be an overcomer. So that's a good way to look at it. The Bible says that it's those who endure to the end who will be saved. We all have things that we have to overcome, and... um, we're to count it all joy when we go through these various trials, knowing that the testing of our faith is producing endurance, and we have need of endurance. The scripture says after we've done the will of God, we will accomplish. Um, and so we just can, that's why we can count it all joy, because it's working in us a work of endurance. Um, the scripture says in Matthew, it's those who endure to the end will be saved. Another place it says those who persevere under trial will receive a crown of righteousness to those who live faithful lives. And so we hope you'll listen in the first and third Tuesdays of each month from 6 to 8 p.m. Central Time. And uh, Abiding Life Ministries, our address is Post Office Box 1141, Lindale, Texas, 75771. And um, if you would like prayer after the, tonight's message, if you'll just call us at 646 646- Five nine five four seven eight four, and don't pr- don't forget to press one, and uh, we'll be happy to pray for you personally. And so tonight's message is on how to, how the enemy gets ground in our life. You know, Paul said your enemies are not flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. And many times we treat people like they're our enemies when it's really the demons working in other people. You know, the Apostle Paul said he fought with the wild beasts of Ephesus. He wasn't saying he was fighting with lions and tigers. He was saying he was fighting with the de- the people that had demons. And uh, tonight we'll be teaching on deliverance. You know, most uh, most people don't realize that the reason they need deliverance or the, the reason they need healing is because of sin in their lives. And in James 4, 7 really uh, gives you deliverance in a nutshell it says submit yourself to the lord and resist the devil and he'll flee and that's deliverance in a nutshell giving yourself to the lord um and the things you go through uh that would mean lord show me what you're trying to teach me through this trial uh submit these things to the lord repent uh first john 1 9 says if you confess your sin god is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness and so deliverance is not some kind of big hokey deal. It's just give yourself to God through repentance, and it's uh, usually it's a boo, de- boo demon. I mean, the minute you submit to God, the demon has to leave. 
Now, there's reasons why it doesn't leave, but there's lots of reasons we don't see in our life, and that's why it's important to ask God for wisdom. In James chapter 1, it says, If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally and upbraids not. But let him ask in faith without wavering, because a man who wavers is like a ship driven of the wind and tossed. Many times in my life, I've been like that ship driven of the wind and tossed. I would say, Lord, Lord, did you say this or did you not? Did you say it? Did you not say it? And God says, ask in faith. And then one year, I was listening to a a, a, a preacher that I really like to listen to, and he was saying, if you don't ask in faith, and I thought, you know, asking in faith. So ask and believe that he's going to speak to you because he wants to give you wisdom to understand why you're going through, why you, what you're going through. If you have a physical problem, begin to look for spiritual roots, spiritual answers to why you have the physical problem. The thing I see uh, today in most church members is most church members don't even know what sin is because very few pastors teach against sin. And I'm thankful that my son is my pastor and he teaches on the surrendered life every week. And I'm so thankful for for a, a, a godly pastor especially for my son, that he teaches a word of repentance. And it's not popular nowadays because lots of people want to go places, big churches, and there's nothing wrong with big churches, but a lot of times big churches don't teach repentance. And sometimes when you do teach repentance, your church doesn't get very big because, it, you know, most just go where their flesh can feel good. Why do they want to go to a place that, where they hear their flesh has to die? But you know what the Bible says? Jesus said, if any man's going to come after me, he has to deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Sixty percent of church members think nothing of shacking up. Thirty percent think nothing of uh, uh, taking recreational drugs or uh, or drinking. Think nothing of it. Um, in a big a majority of churches today, and pastors don't teach against sin, are about repentance and so I just encourage you that if you're listening in and you're going to a church where they're not teaching you to repent of your sin uh, you're not hearing from the Lord because every prophet in the word of God including Jesus taught that men were to repent of their sin and there's many false prophets out there that makes your flesh feel good and so uh, when you leave church and when I leave church I want to feel like I've been cleaned up that I've heard something that's going to change my life because um, we never get too old for our lives to be changed. In fact, if you're not changing from glory to glory and strength to strength, you're going the back, backwards. And so God wants us to be uh, overcoming. Recently, I heard a man tell this story about one of his church members was at a convenience store, and he said there was a lady that was uh, fell down, and she was drunk. And this man came up and said, can I help you? And he, she said, uh, well, yeah. She said, I've had it. He said, well, what's the problem? She said, well, I've had a stroke. And, of course, she was drunk too. And the man said, well, you know, have you ever heard? And he said, I've heard that strokes can be brought on through anger and unforgiveness. Is there anyone you're holding anger and unforgiveness toward? And um, she said, yes, I hate my boyfriend. And so he asked her, he said, well, are you living with your boyfriend, sleeping with your boyfriend, and, of course, come to find out she was. And so uh, I don't think he said this to the lady, but the man that was sharing the story said, no wonder she had a stroke. Um, 
when you hold under anger and unforgiveness, the strokes are caused by anger and unforgiveness and rage. Um, and so, anyway, he led her in repentance, and she was healed and delivered right there on the convenience store parking lot. A few years ago, I had a, a lady uh, email me, and she said, the devil is doing a number on me. She said, um, and, I, and I've got all these physical problems, and she said, and my boyfriend, I'm trying to get my atheist boyfriend saved. And I texted her back, and I, I emailed her back, and I said, are you sleeping with him? And she said, yes. And I said, well, you know, it's God that's letting the devil to do a number on you. And um, I said, and, you know, the Bible says no, that no one who uh, fornicates or commits adultery will in- inherit the kingdom of God. And I said, and the second thing is, you're violating the word of God by by being yoked to an unbeliever. And she texted me back or emailed me back, and she said, um, she said it was it was really sad. It was hard for me to do this, but I broke up with him. And she said all my physical problems went away. You know, God wants us to live a holy, righteous life. Hebrews 12 says, without holiness, no man will see the Lord. Uh, a few years ago, I was at a conference, and it was a break time, and I was sitting behind this uh, group of people that were trying to cast this demon out of this girl, and they just went on and on, and it went on, seemed like it went on for 30 minutes, and they couldn't get the demon out. And, and I was just sitting behind watching, and one of the ladies from the group came around and sat down beside me, and I said, why don't they lead her in repentance? And this girl said, well, why don't you uh, show them how? So, and I said, oh, no, no, I don't want to get involved. But she said, oh, yeah. So anyway, I led the lady in repentance, and within a minute, the demon was gone. You see, the reason you have a demon problem is that you really have a God problem. And a curse without a cause cannot lie. Demons carry out curses against us. Every place you violate the word of God, you've got a demon problem. And so that's why the scripture says, I'll confess my faults while there's still time. And the old living Bible says, before the enemy gets his teeth in me, only that isn't what it said, but it said, I will confess my faults while there's still time before the enemy overtakes me. And so that's why we need to quickly get it right. Another time I was at a, um, I was at a conference and there was a, um, a man on the floor, he was rising on the floor, and these men were on top of him or trying to get the demon out of him, and he wouldn't come out. And this went on and on and on. And finally, I felt led of the Lord to go over, and I just bent down and I said, Are you in sexual sin? And he said, Yes. And I led him in repentance, and the demon had to go. You see, the scripture says in Proverbs 26 2, like a sparrow in a splitting, like a swallow in its flying, so a curse without a cause cannot light. And so, um, you know, you know the story. Uh, another example: the story of uh, Balaam, when Balak, King Balak, who was king of Moab, wanted um, him to curse Israel, and uh, of course God told him not to do it, and so he, you know, told the king he couldn't. But what Balaam did was uh, to encourage the king to uh, get uh, Israel involved in sexual sin. And sure enough, the children of Israel began to um, have sex with the daughters of Moab, and they got angry, and then God judged them. And so we need to uh, keep our lives right with the Lord. And something I've been doing lately is, 
you know, I've recently, my grandson-in-law was the, the Marine pilot whose F-18 Hornet went down um, south of Japan in December, and he was killed. And, of course, his, one of his checklists before he got on the plane was First John 1, 9, if you confess your sins, I'm, God says, I'm faithful and just to forgive your sins, cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Well, he didn't know when he got on that plane that he wasn't going to get off. And another thing that happened is the lady who'd been doing my hair for 10 years ran in these 30-mile marathons. She walked about four miles a day or ran about four miles a day, uh, was little petite, had a cute figure, no physical problems. And one day her husband found her on the floor dead in the bathroom. You know, you don't know where you're going to wake up tomorrow. So something I've started doing is when I get in bed at night, the last thing I do is I say, Lord, Show me the sin in my life, if there's anything in my life that, that I have not confessed, because I want to have my heart right with God, because when I wake up in eternity, I want to make sure that I'm confessed up and prayed up. Now, I don't do that because I'm legalistic. I do that because I think that's just good wisdom. I don't want to shrink that at his coming. I want Jesus to say to me, well done, my good and faithful servant. And so deliverance only works when you get to the sin in your life, uh, which is the reason why you need deliverance and healing. Deliverance is like peeling an onion. The, the next layer of the onion is the problem that God wants to set you free from. And so he doesn't show us everything at once. We couldn't take it. And so the part of the sanctification process is the next layer of the onion is the problem that I'm going through right then that God wants to deliver me. And that's why when I go through that problem, I need to ask God what he's trying to teach me in that problem, repent of my sin, confess my sin, and and get it right, and then submit myself to God and resist the devil, and he'll have to flee. In fact, I've discovered that I don't even have to resist him. When I do that, he's gone the minute I confess my sin. You know, many times at my meetings, I always lead people in deliverance, and they're delivered uh, before um, before I even tell the enemy to go. And at the end, I'll be praying deliverance over you, and you'll see as you confess your sin, you'll feel things moving off of you. Uh, many people have made an idol out of, of healing and deliverance, and God says, uh, no idolater will enter the heaven. He doesn't want us to make an idol out of anything. Uh, we'll look for some a body who's in deliverance, and it's okay to do that because sometimes we do need help or we need the wisdom or the insight that they have, the deliverance minister might have. But um, many times, many deliverance ministers uh, that I've seen, they don't even deal with sin. And it's not going to work if they don't deal with sin. You know, I live in the country, and if there's a dead carcass on the road, you'll see uh, buzzards that have collected around that dead carcass. Now, I can go and shoot the buzzards off, but the minute I get out of sight, the buzzards congregate back on the dead carcass. And so deliverance is kind of like this. You've got to bury the dead carcass if you don't want the buzzards coming back. And so intimacy with the Lord is the most important thing you and I can do. And you can't be intimate with the Lord with unconfessed sin in your life. Uh, and so uh, for years, I've gotten deliverance just reading the Word of God. And I've had a few people pray for me. In fact, I'm not beyond that. I'll have people pray for me anytime I feel led for people to pray for me. But 99% of the deliverance I've gotten is just repenting over the Word of God. Um, until recently, 
I guess for the last 26 years until uh, recently, uh, I had cataract surgery in July and in October of 2016. But until then, I had never been to a doctor in 26 years. Now, I'm not telling you this to glorify myself because the scripture says boasting is looking for trouble. So I'm not doing that. But I'm doing it to instruct you that Jesus is the great physician. And you can go to the world for answers, and they can cut it out, medicate you. They can ship it around, sew it up, uh, and they can medicate you just to help you hang in there. But But healing and deliverance only comes whenever you get out from out from under the curse. And the scripture, the, if, you can, if you read Deuteronomy 28, you see there's over, uh, uh, there's over 50 some odd curses because of disobedience to the voice of God and his commandments. And you can be as repentant as you know how to be, but there's so much garbage down in all of our lives that we don't even see it. Because God doesn't bring it up all at one time, we couldn't take it. So what he does is, he lets us have a problem, and we can go to the world to try to fix that problem, but there's no deliverance or healing without God, no true deliverance. Um, in fact, uh, heart, heart disease is the number one killer of people in the United States. Uh, number two is cancer, and number three is medical mistakes and prescription drugs. Every, every drug has a side effect that becomes another disease. In fact, the, the, little, the eye drops that, was, that I was given um, when I had the cataract uh, surgery, the, the, the side effects of just two little drops in your eyes uh, once a day, the side effects, just a few, there was about 30 or 40, but I'll just name a few, was blurred vision, um, you feel like you got something in your eye, heart palpitations, weakness of muscles. Well, you know, uh, there's nothing wrong with my muscles or my heart, but had I continued taking that, that heart palpitations could have turned into something serious against my heart. And so the Lord told me not to take it. And I'm not telling anybody out there who's listening not to take anything. Um, that's between you and God and your doctor or you and God or, or your doctor. But uh, personally, I don't want the side effects um, because the side effects become another problem. And that problem causes another problem that causes another problem. And you can go to the doctor, for example, with a headache, and he'll give you something for your headache, and then that constipates you. So you go back and say, well, doctor, I'm constipated. So he'll give you something for that, and then that causes some other problem. Uh, then you go back, and he'll give you a, a, another medication for that. I had a friend who told me, in fact, it was a lady that called me and said, that she was taking 800 uh, pills per month and she was sick. I said, no wonder you're sick. Um, And I I was telling a friend and she said, well, my husband takes 700 pills a month. And uh, she said, and I asked his doctor, do you know of anyone that's taken that many pills? And the nurse said, or the doctor said, oh, there's people that take many more than that. And it's no wonder that society today is so sick. Uh, people that get my age, um, uh, in fact, uh, you see people much younger. There's people that just die from the from the medication they're given. Um, my um, granddaughter had a real close friend who was just like 28 years old and was driving along, had a seizure, and that his doctor had just given him some different medication for depression. 
and the side effects of some of these medications that give people, they kill you. In fact, just watch the news. Just watch, uh, not the news, but watch commercials of these drugs that they tell you the side effects uh, of taking the drugs. In my opinion, and you may think I'm really crazy, but I think you have to be crazy to take that stuff. And so I just want to trust my life to the great physician. And if he wants me out of here, hey, I'm ready to go. If he wants me to stay, I'm here. Um, but I'm going to trust him with every breath I breathe or with whatever I need. And I just pray for the grace to do that, and I pray the, for the grace for you to do that. Many people believe in del- deliverance, <clears throat> but they treat the devil like he's more powerful than God. Uh, many deliverance ministers treat people who need deliverance like you poor soul. Um, you have a demon problem. Well, let me tell you, it's not a demon problem. It's a God problem. And um, most of the deliverance I've gotten in my life is just repenting over the word of God. And until um, for 26 years, I've been on no medication except for those little eye drops that I'm no longer taking because they were making me feel too bad. And so uh, I repent over the word of God. And let me just explain how to repent over the word of God. For example, suppose the word of God says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not into your own understanding and all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll direct your paths. Um, So I would say, Lord, forgive me for not trusting you with all my heart. Forgive me for leaning to my own understanding. Forgive me for not acknowledging you in all my ways. Um, And so just when you read the word, just uh, make it a prayer Like if it says, because you do this, this is going to happen, or if you don't do that, that's going to happen. Just repent over the word. Make it a prayer. And I I promise you that's what it means to be washed with water in the word, and you'll be getting deliverance as you do that. That's the greatest deliverance you can ever have. And so you might not find your symptom in the word of God, but, I mean, you might not find your body part that's sick in the word of God, but there's like, for example, there's 800 scriptures on the heart. There's 300, I think, scriptures on the back or about that, uh, and repent over all those things. And this even back problems is caused by backsliding or backstabbing or turning your back on the Lord. Um, but But you can find the answers to many of your problems when you just read the Word of God. This is how God has healed me of so many things just through repenting over the word of God. When my youngest son died of AIDS in 1989, I had a sinus infection that lasted about a year and a half. And, um, and so what, what I did was I, um, the, I did, I finally went to a allergy doctor and he gave me some, um, medication. He gave me some allergy medicine plus, uh, some, an an antibiotic. And, um, it was causing me to swell up to where my largest slacks didn't want to zip. And I thought, I'm not taking this if I never do get well. And so I just pulled up every symptom I had. The Lord had shown me that it was my mouth and it was pride. <clears throat> so I had narrowed it down to that. So I pulled up all the scriptures on pride, haughty, arrogant, mouth, tongue, lips, words. Uh, anyway, I had a two-inch high stack of computer sheets that I had printed out. It took me three days to go through that. I repented over every scripture, and at the end of three days, I mean, I remember telling God 
after the first day, uh, God, you must be so sick of me. I saw so much pride in my life that I didn't even know I had. Prior to that, I'd read the word and I'd think, you know, my, my husband needs to read this. Or, you know, my, my, my sister needs to read this. Or my, my mother needs to read this. I never saw that I needed it until I got into, the, into that word study. And I said, I saw so much pride in my life. And I said, God, you must. And so, anyway, I kept on repenting. And at the end of three days, I was healed except one side of my nose was just a little bit stuffed up. So then I did a word study on nose, and in Job 41, when it talked about Leviathan, it says, can you put a rope in his nose? And I had a vision. I went, oh, God, you've got, I feel like you've got a rope in my nose because trying to restrain my mouth. And uh, I said, oh, God, forgive me. And my nose opened, and God delivered me that day in 1990 uh, of allergies. And so the answer is in God's word. The scripture says that he sent his word to heal you. And so I encourage you that if you've got a physical problem, if you have pain in your body, look up all the scriptures on pain. If, you have, uh, if you're discouraged or depressed or worried or fearful, look up all those words. You can go to esword.com, that's little e dash capital s-w-o-r-d dot com and you can get a free online bible program and you can pull it up on you can pull up all those scriptures and repent over their scriptures or you can have a concordance and and i used to in fact i've got concordances where i've just checked out rows and rows of stuff whatever the problem another time i had my hand felt like it was bruised and i did a word study on left hand and it says don't let the left hand know what the right hand's doing and i thought oh dear lord I have, and God healed me. I encourage you, if you want real healing, genuine healing, go to God. Go to the Word of God. And if, you, um, if you've repented of everything you can think of, go to the, and, it, and you still are sick, go to the elders of your church. And it says that if, you, if any of you are sick, go to the elders of your church. Let them anoint you with oil. The prayer of faith in the name of Jesus will raise up and heal the sick. And so if you don't go to a church that does that, you need to find one that does. Uh, because that's what God says when you're sick that we're to do. The scripture is we can lay hands on uh, the sick and they'll recover. And and so um, that's just kind of a sideline thing of what to do if you've got any problem. All your problems are found in the word of God. Years ago I was having financial problems. Not that I don't have a struggle now. I don't... Uh, claim that you know i'm not a ceo of a corporation (laughs) but um you know it can be a struggle especially if you make a big mistake in your bank statement (laughs) but um but years ago i was really struggling and so i pulled up all the scriptures on wealth riches uh money uh finances came up with 39 or 40 reasons for financial problems in fact you can go to my website jerrymcgee.com and you can print that out or in fact you can even hear you can even hear that um in fact i, I probably in dorothy in in this uh, in dorothy's archives or on omega man archives omegaman.com you can go into their or archives and you can find that message but you can go to jerrymcgee.com that's g like george e-r-i-m-c-g-h-e-e.com and you can print out that 
uh, outline and repent over those scriptures because the Lord showed me that these were some of the spiritual roots to financial problems. Um, and so um, we have the authority uh, to cast out devils. We have the authority, the Bible says, to heal the sick, to cast out devils. But if a person has got sin in their life, uh, the legal we have to, the legal right for the enemy to be in our life has to be canceled before anybody can cast a demon out. Um, Psalms 91 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High God abides in the shadow and protection of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, You're my refuge, my fortress, my God, in whom I take refuge. I'll not be afraid of the terror by night or the arrow that flies by day or the pestilence that stalks at noontime. A thousand will fall at my side, ten thousand at my right hand, but it will not come near me. I'll only look on with my eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Why? Because I've made the Lord my refuge, even the most high my habitation. No evil will befall me, nor will any plague come near my dwelling. If you just picture Psalms 91 like a big umbrella, and if I'm under God's authority and, and being under that big umbrella, it's a picture of being in God's refuge. It's a picture of... Uh, what Isaiah 35 says, walk in the highway of holiness. It's a picture of, of walking in the spirit that you not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's a picture of denying yourself, taking up your cross and following him, letting go of your life, um, presenting your body to God as a living sacrifice. Uh, being under his refuge, the enemy cannot touch you there. The scripture says in, um, and I don't even, I forgot where it is, but it says that when I'm in God's refuge, and I'm paraphrasing it. The breath of the ruthless, the breath of Satan, is like a rainstorm against a wall. It's like if you've ever been in a house when the rain is hitting the windows, but you're, you're staying dry inside, that's a picture of being in God's refuge. Uh, Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous can run into it and are safe. And so as long as you're under God's refuge, you're safe. Now, when something gets, when something's sticking out, uh, the enemy, that's outside of God's refuge, outside of the, God's umbrella protection, uh, the enemy's uh, arrows are flying. And so when we get outside of God's authority, outside of his refuge, we can get hit by the powers of darkness. And so I've discovered that when I get hit, okay, Lord, what are you trying to teach me about this particular thing? Because there's a lesson in everything that I go through. Second Timothy 3.16 says, All scriptures given by uh, inspiration of God for the, and profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and instruction in righteousness, <coughs> excuse me, that the man of God may be perfectly perfect, thoroughly furnished to all good works. Um, another place in Luke 25, I believe, Jesus Said, oh, you men of little faith, um, who, let's see, let's see, it says, oh, you men of little faith, slow in heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. You know, the Old Testament is just as valid as, as the New Testament. And I could teach uh, probably two or three hours to show you in the Word of God that the Old Testament is for today. In fact, in the New Testament, the, the disciples, they didn't even have the New Testament. They taught out of the Old Testament. Jesus, uh, when he was in the synagogue, he opened the book of Isaiah. 
and so the so the everything that's in the Old Testament is in the New. And since this is a subject, how the enemy gets ground is a subject that uh, needs to be proven in the Word of God because uh, I'm going to use a lot of Scripture because it's not something that you hear all the time. But you need to see in the Word of God what God's Word says about the devil, about demons, and about his power and authority. And so tonight I'll be uh, using a lot of Scripture. In Psalms 107, verse 10, I hope you're listening. I hope you have your Bible and you'll, uh, if you're where you can use your Bible, that you'll uh, read along with me. Psalms 107, verse 10 says, Therefore there were those who dwelt in darkness and in the shadow of death. You see, the shadow of the Almighty is Psalms 91. Outside of, the, of Psalms 91 is the shadow of death. And it says these, these people are prisoners in misery and chains. And it tells you why in verse 11. Because they have rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore, he, God, humbled their heart with labor. You see, the devil didn't do it. God, he humbled their heart with labor. They stumbled and there was none to help. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out in darkness, out of darkness, and the shadow of death when they cried out. And broke their their bands apart. And then it goes on to say, and he sent his word to heal them. In Genesis 1, 2, and 3, you know the story of Adam and Eve. How Adam, God said, of the trees of the garden, you can eat any of any tree, but don't eat off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And you know the story. Eve took the fruit. She gave some to her husband. And it says that Satan was the one that tempted her, and he was more crafty than all the beasts of the field, and what it was saying, he was not more crafty than the lions and tigers, but he was more crafty than the demons. <clears throat> and then after they sent in the garden, they went and made fig leaves. Before that, it says that they were they were uh, naked and, and unashamed, but after they sinned, they became shameful, and they went and made a fig leaf to cover themselves, and we do the same thing. Our fig leaves are our idols. And we'll talk about that a little bit uh, later on in this message to show you what our idols are. In fact, I'll just tell you now, we might not worship, we don't worship Beelzebub, we don't worship Satan, we don't worship Molech, we don't worship uh, uh, Baal. Uh, that is, if we're believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we don't, uh, we don't worship Diana or Dagon or Python um, uh, today. But our idols are, you have to love me, you have to nurture me, you have to value me, you have to protect me, you have to talk to me, you have to see how wonderful I am, you have to love my idols as much as I do. And you always know you have an idol when it makes you mad when you don't get it. You know you have an idol uh, if you fear you won't have it, or if you have it you fear you'll lose it. In fact, the scripture says in First. um First Samuel fifteen twenty three rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and all iniquity is as idolatry. So every sin you and I commit is idolatry. But our big idols are what pushes our button is you're rejecting me, you're not nurturing me. And ninety nine percent of the time in a marriage, uh, couples don't get along because they're living with their mother and dad. If you're married. Um, I could just tell you the things you cannot stand about your mate go back to unresolved childhood issues. Um, and so I wish I had um, known that when my husband used to get on my last nerve. I'm a widow now, 
but um you know, back then, I didn't realize that the things that were bothering me about him were, were rooted back in unresolved issues with my own mother and dad. You know, when you judge your parents, you'll either be like your parents or you'll marry someone like your parents. And marriages can be healed when people deal with husband-wife issues. But back to the message, that was just a sideline that somebody needs to hear. But uh, after Adam and Eve sinned, God began to rebuke the serpent in Genesis 3:14. The Lord said to the serpent, because you've done this, cursed are you more than the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go, and dust you will eat all the days of your life. Then, then he began to rebuke Adam, and he said to Adam, then to Adam he said, because you've done, listened to the voice of your wife, and I want to stop right here and tell you men, if you're listening to the voice of your wife, you better not listen unless she's speaking the Lord to you. If she's speaking Jesus to you and his word, you need to listen. But, it, you know, husbands that let their wives control them, I can tell you the wives will end up hating you and turning against you because it's idolatry when you let a woman control you when you're supposed to be the head of the house. Now, I'm not talking about being a head of the house that wants to lead a woman astray. Because, praise God, we don't have to obey the demons in a husband. But, but I'm talking about a godly husband is supposed to be the, the, the high priest of the family. And he's supposed to pray with the wife and, and read the word to her and cover her and protect her. Now, that's the kind of uh, marriage that God wants you to have. And so wives are to submit to their husbands unto the, as unto the Lord. That means... When the Lord is speaking through the husband, you listen. And when the Lord isn't speaking, then it's devil speaking, right? You know, the scripture says in John 10, 10, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they obey me and they'll not follow the voice of a stranger. The voice of a stranger is that voice of another speaking through any human. You know, if a two-year-old child speaks Jesus to me, I wouldn't dare not listen. So, but I see godly men that let their wives let the unholy spirit control them through their wives. And I can tell you those wives are unhappy wives and their wives that end up hating their husbands and turning on their husbands. I don't know what it is about women, but we have a tendency to do everything we can. And, and I'm going to tell you, I am thank God that I'm not there anymore. I'm almost 80 years old, but I can see all the mistakes I made. Do whatever you can to get your way, and then you end up hating that person. So husbands, repent. Stand up, be the high priest of your family. Regardless, you know, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And if you're a husband that's just a couch potato, get in the word and repent. Um, And I want to say this too, you know, pray in a prayer to receive Jesus just because you believe in your head in Jesus and there's never been any fruit. Um, Most church members are not even saved. 90% 90% of church members are not even saved. And so when you're truly born again, there's going to be a change in your life. And it's not going to be ho-hum God anymore. You're going to have a love for the Lord, and you'll be quick to repent. And so um, God told Adam, because you've listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten the tree about which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat from it, cursed is the ground because of you, In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles will grow for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. 
by your sweat by the sweat of your face you will eat bread till you return to the ground because from it Adam you were taken for you Adam are dust and to dust you shall return so what God was saying is Adam you're dust and he told the serpent I'm going to command you to eat dust and so what he was saying through this is ever Adam every time your flesh nature manifests I command the serpent and it'll bite you uh, because you see when I'm um when I'm letting my flesh nature manifest, I'm not in God's refuge. Amos 9.3 says, Though you hide on the summit of Carmel, I will search them out, and I will take them from there. And though they conceal themselves from my, from my sight on the floor of the sea, from there I will command the serpent, and it will bite them. And though they uh, go into captivity before their uh, enemies, from there, I will command the sword, and it will slay them, and I will set my eyes against them for evil and not for good. Now, when you see the word sword, uh, in um, in Psalm 17, 13, uh, I'm going to paraphrase this, but basically David is saying, keep me from my enemies, which is thy sword. And so when you see the word sword, here come the demons. Ecclesiastes 10.8 says, He that digs a pit shall fall in it, and those who break a hedge, a serpent will bite them. You see, when we're in God's refuge, we have a hedge of protection around us. And uh, whenever there's sin, we break the hedge. Um, Psalm 17.13, and this is a verse verse that I just um, paraphrased, but I'm going to read it. Psalm 17.13, King James says, Arise, O Lord, disappoint him, and cast him down. Deliver my soul from the wicked, which is thy sword. So you see, God uses the wicked as the sword. In fact, the demons are executors of God's covenant. When we break covenant with the Lord, then the demons are the executors of that covenant. For example, in physical life, we have, uh, we have there's a judge, there's a courtroom, there's an officer, and there's a physical prison. Well, in God's realm, uh, there is a, a judge, which is God. The officer is the demon, and the prison is a spiritual prison when we break the law. Uh, the scripture says the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, uh, self-control. Against such, there is no law. So if we're not walking in the spirit, there is a law. And First uh, Timothy says the law is not made for a righteous man and it names all the things that it and it says in every basically it lists a whole bunch of things and then it says uh everything that's not it's not contrary to sound doctrine you can read that i think it's first timothy 1 8 but um there's no law and so there is a law when we violate god's covenant first peter 5 8 says be sober be of sober spirit be on the alert your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Therefore, take heed so that the things spoken of in the... I'm sorry, me back up. It says, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Now, that that word devour in 1 Peter 5a means to drink down, gulp down, and swallow up. You can be in a spiritual prison, and you can also have demons in you. And so when you see the word devour, you can know there's demons. Or consume is another word that you can see their demons are behind that. 
uh, Acts 13:40. It says, "Therefore take heed." Now, in Acts, God is warning us something in the Old Testament that can happen. He's warning uh, us. It says, "Therefore take heed, so that the things spoken of in the prophets may not come upon you." So He's warning us that there's something in the prophets, something in the Old Testament that could come on us. And then it says in verse 41, Behold you scoffers, and marvel and perish, for I am accomplishing a work in your days, a work which you would not never believe, though someone should describe it to you. Now that was taken right out of Habakkuk 1. And so if you'll turn to Habakkuk 1, verse 1. Now Habakkuk gets a vision of a supernatural army, and it's never before happened in history. And so in verse 1, it says, The oracle of which the bad prophet saw, How long, O Lord, will I call for help, and you will not hear? I cry out for you violence, yet you do not save. And that's what the demons do, is they wreak havoc and violence in our life. And then Habakkuk says, Why do you make me uh, see iniquity and cause me to look with wickedness? Yes, destruction and violence are before me, strife and contention. Uh, exists arises now in james 3 it says where there's contention and strife there's every demonic work Uh, verse 4 says therefore the law is ignored and of course the law is in the old testament there was a law but the new covenant in the new testament it says in matthew 22 i believe it says that um that the whole law is fulfilled when we love the lord with all of our heart mind, soul, and body, and our neighbor as ourselves. And so when we walk in love, we fulfill the new covenant. Um, so Habakkuk is saying the law is ignored. In other words, people are not walking in love. And justice is never upheld. For the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, justice comes out perverted. Look among the nations. Now, now this is... Um, hang on just a minute. My My iPad jumped. I haven't figured out how not to. Sometimes you hit something, it'll jump about four pages. Anyway, we're in Habakkuk chapter 1, and then um, the law in verse 4, the law is ignored, and justice is never upheld, for the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, justice comes out perverted. Now, Habakkuk 1.5 says, now this is, this is the verse we just read in Acts 1340 look among the nations observe be astonished and wonder because i'm doing something in your days you would not believe if you were told it we just read that in acts 1340 for behold i am raising up the chaldeans that fierce and impetuous people who march throughout the earth to seize dwelling places which are not theirs and we're a dwelling place of the holy spirit and we don't belong to the demons but it says these chaldeans uh, march throughout the earth. Now we know that a real army can't march throughout the earth. The earth. The minute they get to the ocean, they have to stop unless they get in a boat. So this is talking about these Chaldeans march throughout the earth and they seize dwelling places which are not theirs because we belong to the Lord. It says they are dreaded and feared, and I can tell you, demons are dreaded and feared. People don't even want to hear that there's such a thing as demons. Their justice and authority originate with himself 
Their horses are swifter than leopards and keener than wolves in the evening. For horsemen come galloping, their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swooping down to devour. There's that word devour again. All, and then we know they don't fly like an eagle. We know that humans do not fly like an eagle and swoop down to devour. So it's talking about a supernatural army. It says, all of them come for violence. Their hordes of faces move forward. They collect captives like sand. They mock at kings, and rulers are a laughing matter to them. They laugh at every fortress and heap up rubble to capture it. They will sweep through like the wind and pass on, but they will be held guilty by they whose strength is their God. And so wherever our whatever our God is, is we're trusting that particular thing to be our strength. And so they're going to swoop down in those areas. And then Habakkuk asked God a question in verse 12. He says, Are you not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my Holy One? We will not die. You, O Lord, have appointed them to judge, and you, O Lord, have established them to correct. And so what this is saying is when, when these Chaldeans, which are demons, types and shadows of demons, whenever they see our sin, they have the legal right to move in on it. <clears throat> it says, Why, God? <clears throat> because your eyes are too pure to approve evil, and you cannot look with wickedness with favor. Why do you look with favor <clears throat> on those who deal treacherously? Why are you silent when the wicked swallow up those more righteous than they? Why have you made them like the fish of the sea, like creeping things without a ruler over them? The Chaldeans bring all of them up with a hook, drag them away with their net, and gather them together in their fishing net. Therefore, they rejoice and are glad. And then if you read the book of Joel, it talks about Joel's army. And it talks about how they run on the city, leap on the wall. Now, years ago, there was a song by Big John Hall um, where he's saying they run on the city, they leap on the wall, God's great army carrying out the call. Well, I want to say that this Joel's army is not an army of Christians like we're taught. It is an army of demons. Um, And so Joel's army is another army. type and shadow of the powers of darkness and you can read the whole book of Joel and you can see that it has to do with the harlot. When we pray a prayer to receive Jesus and our heart goes after other lovers, we commit spiritual adultery against our bridegroom Jesus. And then other places it talks about a northern army coming. Um, in Joel's, Joel it talks about the locust which is another type of demon. It says a northern army, army from the north. Those are all words for demonic spirits. Um, coming against the church member who uh, commits spiritual adultery against the bridegroom Jesus. Jeremiah 13 verse 9 says, Thus says the Lord, Just so will I destroy the pride of Judah and this great pride of Jerusalem, this wicked people who refuse to listen to my words and walk in the stubbornness of their heart and have gone after other gods to serve them, to bow down to them. And as I said earlier, we don't. We may not. Buy, we might not bow down to uh, Buddha or to uh, Diana or Kali or um, Python or some of these uh, false gods that we know that are statues. We might not bow down to those. But our big idols are: you've got to love me, you've got to accept me, you've got to value me, you've got to meet my needs, you've got to keep my house in order, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to. And I get mad when you don't. 
or I have fear that I you won't love me, or <clears throat> if you love me, I fear I'll, fear you, I'll lose you. So you can always detect your idols by what makes you angry and what makes you uh, fearful or depressed. 13.15 says, listen and give heed, and don't be haughty, for the Lord has spoken. Give glory to the Lord your God, therefore, before he brings darkness and before your feet stumble on a dusky mountain. And while you're hoping for light, he makes it into deep darkness and turns it to gloom. But if you will not listen to it, my soul will sob in such secret for such pride, and my eyes will bitterly weep and slow down because the flock of the Lord, the flock of the Lord, the flock of the Lord has been taken captive. Psalms 35 verse 24. Judge me, O Lord, my God, according to my righteousness, and let them not rejoice over me. Let them not say in their heart, aha, so would we have it. Let them not say we have swallowed him up. Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge who eat up my people as they eat bread and are not and do not call upon the Lord? For the king trusts in the Lord, and through the loving kindness of the Lord, he will not be shaken. Your hand will find out all your enemies. Your right hand will find out all those who hate you. In 1 Corinthians 16:22, it says, If anyone does not love the Lord, let him be accursed. In John 14, 26, Jesus said, If you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. So you could say this verse this way. Because if anyone does not uh, keep God's commandments, um, he doesn't love me. The Lord, if, okay, let me go back. It says, if, you, if anyone does not love the Lord, let him be accursed. So you could say, if anyone um, does not keep my word, let him be accursed. Because Jesus said, if you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. Psalms 81.15 says, those who hate the Lord pretend obedience. Proverbs 17.11 says, a righteous man seeks only evil, so a cruel messenger will be sent against him. Not a righteous man, I'm sorry. A rebellious man seeks only evil, so a cruel messenger will be sent against him. Proverbs 16.4, the Lord has made everything for his own purposes, even the wicked for the day of evil. Proverbs 28.18 says, he who walks blamelessly will be delivered. Leviticus twenty six twenty five says, I will also, God says, bring upon you the sword, there's the sword again, which will execute vengeance for the covenant. And of course we break covenant when we don't walk in love. Um, and I, I want you to notice about this, God says, I will also bring upon you the sword, which is carried out by demons, which will execute vengeance for the covenant. And when you gather together into your cities, I will send pestilence among you. Now, God's sending it. So many times people say, well, the devil's just doing a number on me. Hey, no, God's letting him do it. I will send pestilence upon you so that you shall be delivered into the hands of the enemy. So the Lord delivers us into the hands of the enemy. If we don't want to stay in his refuge, hey, we can be outside of his refuge out there in Satan's territory. In Deuteronomy 32, they said, um, it says, they made him jealous with strange gods. Now, he's talking about God's people. With abominations, they provoked him to anger. They sacrificed to demons who were not God, to new gods who came, who they've not known, new gods who came lately, whom your fathers did not dread. You neglected the rock who begot you, which would be Jesus. And now you can't neglect something you don't have. 
and forgot the God who gave you birth. The Lord said this and spurned them because of the provocation of his sons and daughters. This is talking to God's children. Then he said, I will hide, excuse me, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be for their perverse and generation sons in whom is no faithfulness. Perverse means to walk crookedly. They have made me jealous, God says, with what is not God. They have provoked me to anger with their idols, so I will make them jealous with those who are not a people. There's the demons. I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. So you see that anger is a fruit of idolatry. You see that jealousy is a fruit of idolatry. To read on. For a fire is kindled in my anger and burns to the to the lowest parts of the of Sheol and consumes the earth with its yield and sets on the fire the foundations of its environment foundations on the mountains. I will heap misfortunes on them. God says, I will use my arrows on him on them. Now we know the arrows, he tells us to take up the shield of faith to quench all these fiery arrows. Of course when we're in God's refuge where we we are we do have on the whole armor of God when we're under Psalms 91. And God says, I will use my arrows on them because of idolatry. They will be wasted by famine. You see, that's a fruit of idolatry. And consumed by plague. That sounds like cancer, doesn't it? Be consumed means to be eaten. Cancer eats, your, eats away your body. And bitter destruction and the teeth of beasts, there's the demons, I will sit, I, God, will send upon them with the venom of crawling things of the dust. Outside the sword will bereave, and inside terror. Now that word terror in the Hebrew means the idol is the boogie bear. And um, I guess the best way to explain this is years ago when I was less mature, I was in a David Wilkerson meeting, and I was sitting there thinking, oh, I was thinking, oh, I hope he don't make, I hope he don't say I have to quit this or quit that. Isn't that ridiculous? But it, but the idol is the boogie bear because it scares you to death if you think you have to get rid of it. It says both young men and virgin, the the nursing babe, and the man of gray hair. I would have said I will cut him to pieces. I'll remove the memory of him from the earth. Had I not feared the provocation by the enemy, that their adversaries would uh, misjudge, that they would say, our hand is triumphant, and the Lord has not done all this. In other words, people say that today. Oh, God, he's such a loving God. He would not He would not call sickness. He would not uh, let the demons get us. He will not. We're saved by grace. Um God wouldn't do this. And so God was saying, I don't want them to say that I haven't done this. <laughs> For they are a nation lacking in counsel, and there is no understanding in them. In Hosea 4, it says the people without understanding are ruined. It says, would that they were wise that they understood this, that, that they would discern their future. How could one chase a thousand and two put ten thousand to flight unless their rock, Jesus, had sold them? And the Lord had given them up. In other words, they're defeated because their rock has sold them because of the idols in their life. Indeed, their rock is not like our rock. Even our enemies themselves judge this. Okay, our rock is Jesus. And so if we have other lovers, we're trusting a different rock 
it says, even our enemies themselves judge this. In other words, the powers of darkness can see who your rock is and who you're trusting. The powers of darkness, when they see that, they have the legal right to move in. It says, for their vine is from the vine of Sodom. Okay, there's the, Jesus is the true vine, but these people have a different vine, and it's from the vine of Sodom. It's the fruit of the flesh. It's the fruit produced by Satan being in control. And from the fields of Gomorrah, their grapes are grapes of poison. Their clusters are bitter. So bitterness is coming out of their mouth. It says, their vine is the venom of and the deadly poison of cobras. Now, in Matthew 12, didn't Jesus call the Pharisees, uh, you brood of vipers? Uh, you see, today, the Pharisees are still in the church. The Pharisees are the church members, the re- ones that are religious, that just deal with a person that's just religious. He just deals with the outward show. He just deals with outward appearance. He don't deal with his heart issues. And so... Um, So it says, their wine, the wrong fruit, the wrong vine, is from the venom of serpents and the deadly poison of cobras. Is is it not laid up in store for me, sealed in my treasuries? Vengeance is mine, God, and retribution, God says. In due time their foot will slip, for the day of calamity is near, and the impending things are hastening upon them. For the Lord will vindicate his people, and he will have compassion on his servants when he sees that their strength is gone. And so if you're wanting deliverance, whenever you lay down your idols and you deal with your stuff, God will have compassion on you uh, when he sees that your strength is gone and there is none remaining bond or free. And he will say, where are their gods, the rock in which they had sought refuge? Because, we, you know, when we have an idol, we're seeking refuge in the wrong refuge. Who ate the fat of sacrifices and drank the wine of their life, their drink offering, let them rise up and help you. In other words, let your idols help you. Let them be your hiding place. See now that I am he, and there is no God besides me. Now, God is saying this. It is I who put to death and give life. I have wounded, and it is I who heal, and there is no one who can deliver you from my hand. No one. Go to the world for answers. Hey, there's no deliverance. There's superficial healing. It's putting a Band-Aid on a spiritual problem. Deuteronomy 28 says that because of disobedience to the voice of God and his commandments, read Deuteronomy 28, starting in verse 15, it lists all the curses that go through Psalms, I think it goes through uh, 67 or 68. So there's over 50 curses there in Deuteronomy 28. You can find some in Leviticus 26 too. Lamentations 2.3 says, In fierce anger, he, God, has cut off all the strength of Israel. And you say, well, this is Israel. This is not us. Well, do you know, I'm just going to tell you two places. In Romans chapter 9 and in Galatians 3, it says that believers in the Lord Jesus Christ are the spiritual Israel of God. It says he's cut off all the strength of Israel. He has drawn back his right hand from before the enemy, and he's burned in Jacob like a flaming fire and consumed round about. He, God, has been his bow like an enemy. He's not saying he is the enemy, but he's saying like an enemy. 
He has set his right hand like an adversary and slain all that were pleasant to the eye. In the tent of the daughter of Zion, he has poured out his wrath like a fire. The Lord has become like an enemy. He has swallowed up Israel. Well, I thought God warns us in 1 Peter 5, 8, to be sober, be vigilant for your adversary. The devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, which means drink down, gulp down, and swallow up. So it's, here, he, so it's saying here that God is not the enemy, but he's become like an enemy. He has swallowed up Israel. He has swallowed up all its palaces and has destroyed its strongholds and multiplied in the daughter of Judah, mourning and moaning. And he has violently treated his tabernacle, which is what we are, like a garden booth. And he has destroyed his appointing meeting places. The Lord has uh, caused to be forgotten the appointed feast and Sabbaths in Zion. And he has despised the king and priest, which is what we are, in the indignation of his anger. The Lord has rejected his altar. He has abandoned his sanctuary, which is what we are, a temple of the Holy Spirit. He has delivered into the hand of the enemy the walls of, its, of her palaces. Now, if, 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 if there's a fortress without a wall, uh, he is our fortress and our refuge. But when the wall of Jerusalem in Nehemiah was t- turned down, when the wall is torn down, the enemy can come in. So he says he's torn down the walls of her palaces, they have made a noise in the house of the Lord as in the day of, of, of an appointed feast. Isaiah fifty four sixteen says, uh, Behold, uh, it basically it says Satan and demons are created for God's purposes. Isaiah fifty four sixteen says, Behold, I myself have created the smith to blow the coals of fire and to bring out a weapon for a work, and I have created the destroyer to ruin. So God created him. Colossians 1.15 says, he, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created, both in the heavens and in the earth, visible and invisible, where the thrones are dominions, our rulers are authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Can I tell you, the devil cannot do one thing that God doesn't let him do. So you don't have to deal with the devil. Deal with God, and God will back the devil off of your life. Proverbs 16, 7 says, and this is a verse that means so much to me because we're living in a world where there's threats of ISIS. There's threats of MS, uh, this gang that's here in the United States. There's threats of violence. There's, there's threats coming against us all the time. But this scripture means so much to me. It's in Proverbs 16, 7. It says, when a man's ways are pleasing the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Paul said, your enemies aren't flesh and blood, but they're principalities and powers. They're demon-possessed people. These people that go around killing people are demon-possessed. And I can tell you the people in this country that are for the sanctuary cities and are far um, criminals coming into this country that are far all of that. Can I tell you they're demon possessed? Psalms forty one eleven says, By this I know that you're pleased with me, God, because my enemy does not shall triumph over me. This is another scripture. So if the enemy is beating up on you, God's not pleased about something. And so 
uh, it's, let me read it again. It says, for by this I know that God is pleased with me when my enemy does not shout triumph over me. Proverbs twenty-eight eighteen: he who walks blamelessly will be delivered. Proverbs twenty-eight twenty-six says, he who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but he who walks wisely will be delivered. Colossians 3, 5 says, Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. Ephesians 5, 3 says, But sexual immorality and impurity and greed must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which, which are not fitting, but rather giving thanks. For this you know with certainty, that no sexually immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an, an inheritance in the kingdom of God in Christ. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. And you were dead in your, in Ephesians 2, 1 says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the prince of the power of this air, the spirit that's working in the sons of disobedience. So Ephesians 2 is telling you the prince of the power of the air works in the sons of disobedience. Uh, the wrath of God is carried out by the powers of darkness. Um, I'd like for you to look two, in two places if you've got your Bible. If not, you can look it up later. But in First Chronicles 21, verse 1, um, it, God gives an account of how David counted Israel and God sent a plague because he counted Israel. And it says in Second um, in Samuel 24, 1, basically it's telling you the same story about David numbering Israel and how God sent a plague upon Israel. Israel and destroyed so many, so many people because of David's sin. But I want you to I want to read the first verse of twenty of Search Chronicles twenty one one says, then Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel. So it's telling you in First Chronicles that Satan uh, moved against Israel to uh, tempt Israel to, and moved against David to number Israel. Now, it's saying the same story, but it says it a little different. In Second in Samuel 24, 1, it says, Now again, the anger of the Lord burned against Israel, and it incited David against them to say, Go, number Israel. So it's telling you that the anger of the Lord is Satan. It says that Satan stood up and moved it, David to number Israel. But in Second Samuel 24, 1, it says, Now again, the anger of the Lord, he's calling it the anger of the Lord, burned against Israel, and it, the anger of the Lord, burned against, uh, or Satan moved against Israel. So you see the anger of the Lord is carried out by by, uh, by the demons. And the tree cutters in Matthew 7, this is another word for the powers of darkness. You can see it, oh, so many words. I'm just using a few words for the powers of darkness, but you can see it all through the Old Testament. Matthew seven eighteen says, every tree that doesn't bear good fruit is cut down. Now I want you to see that the tree cutters are demons that cut down the trees. Psalms 1 says, you're a tree. In, a, in the Old Living Bible, it says, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or sit in the seat of scorners or stand in the place of sinners, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, 
and he'll be like a tree planted along a riverbank, always bearing luscious fruit each season without fail, and his leaf will never wither, and everything he does will prosper. So we are trees, and uh, I'm a tree, and you're a tree, and a whole group of people are trees. Uh, Jeremiah 46, 2. It says their sound moves around, moves along like, like a serpent, for they move on like an army and come to her with woodcutters with axes, like woodcutters with axes. They have cut down her forest, declares the Lord. Surely it will be no more found, even though they are now more numerous than locusts and are without number. So locusts is another type and shadow of the powers of darkness. The beast of the field is another type and shadow. Uh, the birds of the air is another type and shadow. And you can read that in Mark 4, Luke 8, and Matthew 13, where Jesus gives a parable about how the birds stole the seed that the sower was sowing. And then Jesus explained that later on, that Satan was the one that stole the seed. Uh, Isaiah 14, 3 says, And it will be about in that day when the Lord gives you rest from your pain and turmoil and harsh service with which you've been enslaved. Now, we know that day hasn't come because we still have things to overcome. But in that day that you will be take, you will take up this taunt uh, when God gives us rest, when God um, uh, re- gives us rest and removes pain and turmoil, they will take up this taunt against the king of Babylon, which is a type of Satan, and say how the oppressor has ceased, how fury has ceased. The Lord has broken the staff of the wicked, the scepter of rulers, which used to strike the people with unceasing strokes, which subdued the nations with anger, with unrestrained persecution. The whole earth is at rest, and we know that hadn't happened yet, but it's going to happen when the Prince of Peace comes. It says the whole earth is at rest and quiet. They break forth into shouts of joy. So the trees are getting happy now. It says in Isaiah 14, 8, it says, Even the cypress trees rejoice over you, and the cedars of Lebanon, saying, Since you, king of Babylon, was laid low, no tree cutter comes up against us. Spread out your bed beneath you, and your worms are your covering. So you can say Satan is covered with worms. In fact, maggot would be another word for him. Proverbs 24, verse 1 says, I passed by the field of a sluggard, by a man lacking sense, and it was completely overgrown. The hedge was down, completely overgrown, and it says a little sleep, just a little, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and your and your um, poverty will come like a robber and your want like an armed man. So that's a per- picture of a person who's got the hedge down. Luke 13, verse 5 through 9, Jesus gives a parable of a man who had a vineyard and he comes for looking looking for fruit on the vineyard, and there was no fruit. So the vineyard, he said, and so the man who owned the vineyard said, well, cut it down because it's worthless. And so the man who took care of the vineyard keeper said, well, Lord, let me dig around it. Let me remove its stone. Let me add fertilizer, water it. And then next year, give it another chance. And then if next year it doesn't produce fruit, then you can cut it down. And so as Christians, we're supposed to produce fruit. And when we don't, we get cut down. So, you know, there's people that maybe are given a death sentence in the hospital. The doctor says we only have six months of living, and we're wanting God to heal us. The question is, if God healed you, would you go back to a fruitless life? 
you know, it's not too late to begin uh, bearing fruit. Moses was 80 years old when God really began to use him. And so uh, it's not too late. Tell you this, if you live, if you live uh, 10 more years, you only live in 3,650 days. If you live 20 more years, you've, uh, you've doubled that. Uh, 3,650 days doubled his 7,000 and something days. And so time's running out. And so reverse your life. Ask God to help you bear fruit. You don't have to be in the ministry, but hey, God wants you to walk in love. He wants you to, to uh, manifest his character and he'll, uh, he'll guide you and direct you as to what he wants you to do. Each Each of us God had a plan for each of our lives when we were born. Before we were born, he knew exactly why he put us here. And so it would be a sad thing not to fulfill your destiny. I can't think of anything that would be worse for my life or for yours. Isaiah 5. Now, this passage in Luke came right out of Isaiah 5. It says, let me sing now for my beloved had a song. My beloved had a uh, concerning his vineyard. My well-beloved had a vineyard on a fertile hill. Now, this is what we just read in Luke 13, and what I just quoted in Luke 13. He dug it all around and removed its stones, planted it with the choicest vine, and he built a tower in the midst of it, and he hewed out a wine vat in it. Then he expected it to produce good grapes, but it produced only worthless ones. So now, God says, let me tell you what I'm going to do to my vineyard. I'm going to remove its hedge, so I'm going to take the hedge down, uh, and it will be consumed, eaten up. You, you have a garden that has no hedge around it. No, I live in the country, and when I, I had I had gardens, and uh, I, the rabbits would eat the produce, so I had to build a fence around the garden so that they can't get in. And so it says, God says, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do to my vineyard. I'm talking about His people. I'm going to take down the hedge. And it's going to become trampled ground. It's going to be consumed. I'm going to break down its wall, and it will become trampled ground. I will lay it waste, and it will not be pruned or hoed, but it, but briars and thorns will come up, and I'll also charge the clouds to rain no rain upon it. The rain is a type of Holy Spirit. You know, in um, John 15, it says that every branch in me that produces fruit, um, he prunes. And so God's saying here, I'm going to take down the hedge, and I'm not going to prune it, and I'm not going to hoe it, and there's going to be no Holy Spirit on it, that he gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey him. And so he's saying, I'm not going to prune it. So, you know, when we go through trials, uh, God's pruning us. We need to count it all joy because when we're under the curse, he don't prune us anymore. He lets us become trampled ground. And so God tells us that we, we have to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, and that's to deal with our stuff, our issues that come up, not to allow anger in our life, not to allow fear in our life, not to allow depression. When these came up, come up, they're rooted in idolatry. Find the idol and renounce it and so that God will set you free and take away your anger. You know, I've been doing this for years in my life, and I can tell you uh, I'm still a work in progress. There's still much, so much that God looks down and he sees so much stuff that needs to be dealt with in me. But I can tell you, because I've been doing this for years and years, I don't live in anger or hurt or fear anymore. That's gone. Because when it does come up, I say, okay, Lord, what are you trying to teach me through this? 
and I deal with it. And I'm telling you that not to boast, but I'm telling you that to instruct you that when these things come up, do not allow anger in your life because anger is attached to a hot wire that's connected to an idol. Lay your idols down. The way I do this, I'll say, Lord, if it would, you know, when somebody hurts me, you know, I have family members that shut me out, and I'm sure you do too. Uh, people that you want to love you and that yet there's rejection there. And I've had to say, Lord, if it would bring you greater glory and honor for me to always be rejected, to never have a relationship with that person, then so be it. But devil, you're bound in the name of Jesus. And that's how I let it go. Whatever bothers me, whatever comes up, whatever fear, Lord, you hear what the devil's trying to tell me? God, if that would bring you greater glory and honor, so be it. The devil, you're bound in the name of Jesus. And I can tell you that's the perfect love that casts out fear. That's really saying to God, God, I trust you so much with my life. You know what I need, who I need, if I need it, when to give it to me. And it's letting go of your life that you might find it. And it's in letting letting those things go that you will get delivered from fear and depression. And um, I'm telling you that I'm not telling you that boasting. I'm telling you that give it up. Do like Abraham did Isaac. Take every fear, every concern, every hurt, every worry up the mountain and tell the Lord to let it happen if it bring him greater glory and honor. Now, if you just, uh, uh, if there's no fear, no depression, no anger, God says you have not because you ask not. Ask and you shall receive that your joy will be full. I'm telling you that when there's anger and depression and fear and hurt and these kind of issues, uh, then it's idolatry and you have to take your your idols up the mountain like Abraham took up up Isaac and just let it go. And I can tell you it works in every area of your life. You can live free of fear, fear of anger, fear of hurt. Um, And the older I get, the more, you know, in my earlier years, I'm sure I wanted my way in so many ways, but I'm so thankful that God has brought me to the place where I I don't want my way. I don't, and, and, and it's hurtful because sometimes family members do things to hurt you. They're, they're thoughtless. They leave you out. They, they shut you out. But can I tell you that God is the answer? He knows what you need, and let it go. That's the perfect love that casts out fear. It, it, it takes away hurt because it's trusting God that he knows what you need. Isaiah 5, 7 says, For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. So he's telling us we're the house of Israel. And the men of Judah, his delightful plants. Thus he looked for justice and behold bloodshed, for righteousness but behold a cry of distress. And that word distress means stress. How many times do people go to the doctor and say, Doctor, I have this problem, I have that problem, you can't find anything wrong, and he'll just say, Well, that's just stress-related. Can I tell you, when you have something that is caused by stress, stress, you've got the hedge down on you. So overcoming means to get the hedge back up through repentance, through confessing of sin. Matthew 5, uh, uh, the Bible tells us to make friends quickly with your opponent while you're with him on the way, lest he turn you over to the judge, the judge, the officer, and you be thrown into a spiritual prison. And in Matthew 5, Peter comes to Jesus. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of Matthew 18 that I'm going to do next. But in Matthew 5, God tells us to, to uh, make friends quickly with our opponent while we're with him on the way, lest he 
delivers to the judge, the judge, the officer, and we be thrown into a spiritual prison. And it goes on to say we will not come out of there until we pay up the last cent. Matthew 18, in Matthew 18, Jesus gives a parable of a Lord who had two servants. Uh, one owed him about $10 million and one owed $18, about $18. And the one who who had uh, owed the Lord $10 million, uh, the Lord uh, ordered him and his family to be thrown in prison, and he begged the Lord. He said, you know, I don't have it, and the Lord had mercy on him. So he knows sooner, and I'm paraphrasing, paraphrasing all of Matthew 18. Go and read all of Matthew 18. But then he says, then he no sooner does the Lord forgive him, and he goes out and finds somebody that owes him $18, and he says, pay up. And the man says, well, I don't have it. So he chokes him and throws him in prison. And so the Lord, the Lord's servants heard about this, and they went to the Lord of, the, of those, that servant. And um, the Lord said, you wicked slave, didn't I forgive you all this amount? Should you not also forgive your brother from the heart? And so when we don't forgive, it's like, uh, God forgave us for more than a $10 million debt. And when we find someone who uh, we haven't forgiven, it's like wanting them to pay us $18 versus the $10 million debt that, that God um, forgave us for. But then God said, I'm going to turn you over to the tormentors because you don't forgive. And the word tormentors means demons that inflict pain. It means the pain of disease. It means inquisitor. And I believe unforgiveness. Either we need forgiveness or we need to forgive somebody is the root of, of, of our sickness and our disease. And you say, well, in the, you know, I've forgiven everybody I know. Well, go back to mom and dad. Go back because uh, in every instance, every place as children where we let the sun go down on our anger, we don't know as little children to go to God. So what we do is we turn to a promise we make ourselves. When I, when I get out of this house, life's going to be different. Well, it's not different. We either marry somebody or either we're like our mother and daddy or we marry somebody like our mother and daddy. So we'll continue reaping those judgments. And so if you've got a physical problem, you've got any kind of problems, trace it back to forgiving from the heart, goes back to mother-daddy issues. And so, um, and so forgiveness is not a motion, it's a choice. I choose to forgive because I love Jesus more. And forgiveness means that I'm on my judge's bench, and uh, I get off my judge's bench. I take the people I need to forgive, plus my mother and dad, because that's where it's rooted, to God's courtroom, open the door where God sits as judge over the universe, and I have people in God's courtroom, and I say, God, you be the judge of it. And um, I shut the door and rest my case. So to forgive means to transfer one case from my courtroom to God's courtroom. God says, vengeance is mine, here we pay. And basically what he's saying is, however other people treat you, they're going to get treated the same way. So when he said, vengeance is mine, I'll repay, give them to God. And what that means, the law of sowing and reaping will catch them. The law of sowing and reaping says you get back more later in the same thing that you dish out. Jesus told uh, us, he said, for, treat others the way you want to be treated. This is the law and the prophets. He wasn't just giving us a command to treat others the way we want to be treated. He was saying, however you treat others is how you're going to be treated because the law of sowing and reaping will give back to you seven times. You'll receive more later in the same thing. In other words, the law of sowing and reaping says you plant a grain of corn, you get a stalk of corn with bunches of ears of corn, with hundreds of kernels of corn, you get 
um, so you get more later in the same thing. So um, before I pray deliverance, I want you to zero in on who you need to forgive, secret sins, things you slept under the rug, unforgiveness. And to forgive is the Lord taught me some years ago of how to forgive um, I had lunch with someone and we got in a disagreement and she said she was sorry and I said I was sorry. And the next day I was still arguing with her in my head. Uh, And I said, Lord, she said she was sorry. And I said, I was sorry. Why can't I get over this? And the Lord said, she's just like your mother. And I said, well, Lord, I don't know what to forgive my mother for. And the Lord said, forgive your mother for everything you don't like about her. So I started forgiving my mother for negativity, forgiving her for this, forgiving her that. And it was totally gone. And so if you can quickly forgive someone, it's not a hard issue. But if, but how many of us say, I forgive, and then a week later we're still ragging on, on, in our head with that person, or a month later, or two weeks later? It's because it's a mother-daddy issue. Now, if you can quickly forgive, um, it's not a hard issue. Sometimes people might say, well, Jerry, forgive me for what I said yesterday. I'll say, well, what did you say? Well, I did this or that. I didn't think anything of it because it wasn't a hard issue. But if it hurts and you can't forgive and you say the words, I choose to forgive, and it keeps coming back, then it's a mother-daddy issue. And so that's how you forgive. Because Jesus said you have to forgive from the heart. And so if you're married, I can tell you the things you can't stand about your maid are the same things you couldn't stand about your mom and dad. Somehow it's related. And so just keep on examining those things because If we still have bitterness in our heart, bitterness is poison waiting for someone else to die. You know, we have till sundown to get over our anger. And if we don't, if if we don't um, forgive by sundown, the next day it's unforgiveness and then it's bitterness. And bitterness is like drinking poison waiting for someone else to die. Bitterness will actually kill you. And so those of you who are listening in, if um, just be repenting and I'm going to lead you in repentance. Uh, I'm just going to go through this message and lead you in repentance and pray this prayer with me if you can agree. And you can start feeling the powers of darkness moving out off of you. So, Lord, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I present my body to you, Lord, as a living sacrifice. I ask you to forgive me, Lord, for for anger, for bitterness, for unforgiveness. God, forgive me for idolatry. Lord, forgive me for being afraid of the devil. Forgive me for thinking the devil is more powerful than you are. Lord, forgive me for breaking a hedge. Forgive me for not dwelling in the secret place of the Most High God. Father, I give myself to you. I repent of my sin, and I resist the devil, and he has to flee. Lord, forgive me for sexual impurity. Forgive me for uh, recreational drugs. Forgive me for drinking, for alcohol. Forgive me for sitting under teaching that's not conforming me to godliness. I forgive my pastor for not teaching that I should repent of my sin. Lord, I ask you in the name of Jesus to um, forgive me for unbelief and doubt. God, forgive me for thinking the devil is more powerful than you are. God, forgive me for the idolatry of of, um, thinking that, um, that I have to have some deliverance minister to minister to me when you just said submit to you and resist the devil and he has to flee. Father, I ask you to forgive me for not walking blamelessly. Forgive me for not dwelling in the secret place of the Most High God. Lord, I run into your refuge. Forgive me for not believing that the Old Testament is as valid as the New Testament. 
God, forgive me for rejecting truth, not loving truth. God, forgive me for um, um, rebelling against your word that has caused me to be a prisoner in misery and shame. Forgive me for spurning your counsel. Um, God, I cry out to you. I thank you that you'll send your word to heal me. Bring me out of darkness and the shadow of death and break my bands apart. Lord, forgive me for covering my life like like Adam and Eve with fig leaves. Forgive me for trusting all of these things. I gotta be loved. I gotta be liked. I gotta be accepted. I gotta be valued. I've gotta. I've gotta. I've gotta. It's all idolatry, Lord. I take it up the mountain, and I tell you, Lord, if you glorify you the most, for nobody to love me, nobody to like me, uh, everybody to keep treating me this way, I'll just let it go. But devil, you're bound in Jesus' name. Uh, in the name of Jesus, Lord, forgive me for living after the flesh. Uh, forgive me for not being willing to deny myself, take up your, my cross and follow you. Lord, for, forgive me for breaking through a hedge. I ask you to remove the sword from me. God, forgive me for, um, uh, Lord, forgive me for my sin, which would cause the enemy, the wicked, uh, to be your sword against me. Forgive me for not being of sober spirit. God, forgive me for um, being deceived, not taking heed. Uh, God, forgive me for um, giving the devil more power than than he has. He to remove the Chaldeans. Uh, God, I ask you to show me every area of my life where the enemy has gotten ground in my life through sin. Uh, God, forgive me for being fruitless. Forgive me for um, being like that uh, vineyard that has not produced fruit. Forgive me for not bearing fruit for you. Forgive me for not walking in love. Uh, Forgive me for living after the flesh and the deeds of the flesh. Uh, Forgive me for jealousy. God, forgive me for envy. Uh, Forgive me for heresy, witchcraft, uh, variance, strife, emulation. I ask you to remove the jewels army, remove the army from the north, the northern army off me, Lord. Uh, forgive me for pride that would cause me to be taken captive. Forgive me for stubbornness, wickedness, refusing to listen to your words. Forgive me for walking in the stubbornness of my own heart. Forgive me for being a scoffer. Um, God, forgive me for not giving glory to you. Uh, God, forgive me for not humbling myself. I humble myself now, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Forgive me for not walking in holiness and righteousness. Forgive me for all the times I've let the sun, I've let the sun go down on my anger. Um, forgive me for hating you. Forgive me for pretending obedience. Forgive me for not uh, keeping your commandments, uh, which would put me under a curse. Forgive me for rebellion. Um, I ask you to move the sword off me, Lord. Forgive me for making you jealous with false gods. Forgive me for um, having the wrong vine, not being connected to you. Forgive me for having the wrong rock. Uh, God, in Jesus' name, forgive me for thinking the devil's doing all these things when it's really you allowing him to. Forgive me for not being in your refuge. Lord, I run into your refuge. In the name of Jesus, I forgive every person that you've shown me. I forgive my mother and father for doing the very same things to me that these people that have hurt me in the present have done. In the name of Jesus, 
uh, Lord, I want to um, I want to keep covenant. Forgive me for breaking covenant with you. Lord, cause the eyes of my heart to be enlightened. Illumine my heart. I pray for the truth, Lord, that sets me free. In Jesus' name. Lord, forgive me for disobedience to your voice and your commandment. Uh, forgive me, Lord, for, for idolatry, which has caused you to cut off my strength. Lord, forgive me for all the times that I've held unforgiveness. I choose to forgive every person you've shown me, Lord. Forgive me for not walking blamelessly before you. Thank you that I don't have to fear anything but you. Uh, forgive me, Lord, for idolatry that would bring your wrath on my life. Forgive me for um, that my ways have not pleased you. Forgive me, Lord, that um, the enemy has been beating me up and forgive me for blaming it on the enemy when, Lord, you just want to show me what you're not happy with about me. I ask you to show me, Lord. Forgive me for trusting in my own heart and being a fool. Forgive me for not walking wisely so I would, could be delivered. Lord, I ask you to back the tree cutters off. Forgive me for not bearing fruit for you. Forgive me for uh, wasting my life. God, teach me to number my days that I might present to you a heart of wisdom. Show me my sin, Lord, and I'll repent in Jesus' name. Praise you, Lord. Forgive me for being a sluggard. Forgive me for being fruitless, which has caused me to be in distress. And live my life in stress. I ask you to show me how to rebuild the hedge by repentance, by confessing my sin. And Lord, forgive me for grumbling, complaining over the pruning. Father, you said that I should count it all joy. Forgive me that I have not counted it all joy. And Father, I forgive every person and I repent of everything you've shown me. I take accountability for my sin. For the generational iniquities of my forefathers, Lord, I ask you to start with Adam and Eve and let your cleansing blood flow down through my bloodline, washing away any ground Satan had in my life through the generational iniquities of the forefathers. In Jesus' name, I break generational curses, soul tie curses, cultural curses. Forgive me for judging my mother and father. Forgive me for turning to false gods instead of turning to you, letting the sun go down on my anger. Lord, which has set in motion forces that have caused me to reap the very same things that I judged. Forgive me for making vows and promises that I would, when I got out of this house as a child, that I would, um, my life would be different. I ask you to forgive me, Lord, in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Now command every demon, demonic power, take a deep breath and blow out. I command every demonic power. They came in through the sins that have been confessed to leave each person in the name of Jesus. I break your power. I command fear, doubt, unbelief, worry, anxiety, tension, stress, nervousness, anger, bitterness, resentment, hatred, strife, variance, witchcraft. I command you to go. All spirits of mind control, divination in the name of Jesus. I bind the strong man over every life and I command every demonic spirit to leave now. In the mighty name of Jesus, I break your power. I command rebellion, antichrist to go, python, Jezebel, pride, arrogance, boastfulness, haughtiness, egotism, leave now in Jesus' name. Depression, loneliness, you have to go in Jesus' name. 
sorcery, I break your power. All spirits of pharmacia, you have to go. Adultery, fornication, bestiality, pornography, you have to go in Jesus' name. All demons of idols, they have to go now in Jesus' name. In the name, power, blood, and by the authority of Jesus, I break your power in the mighty name of Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Bless you, mighty God. I break the power of addictions in the name of Jesus. Alcohol addictions, drug addictions, addictions to prescription drugs, addictions to illegal drugs. I break the yoke of bondage off of every night, every life. I break the power of fear, doubt, unbelief, worry, anxiety, tension, stress, nervousness, depression, despair, hopelessness. I break your power. I just tear down every stronghold that would block the truth that sets them free. In Jesus' name, praise you, mighty God. Thank you, Lord, for setting me free. Now, Lord, fill me with love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, mighty God. Lord, I choose from this day forward to deny myself, take up my cross, and follow you. In Jesus' name. Well, I'm going to wait a little bit to see if anybody wants to call in, anybody wants prayer. You can call in at 646-595-4784, and don't forget to press 1. Um, if you are interested in going on my website, jerrymcgee.com, there's all kinds of articles that you can read. Uh, there's things that you can print out. Uh, there's books I've written. There's a Clearing the Land book. Actually, you can go through Clearing the Land. It lists all the curses um, in the Bible. You can go through that little repentance book called Clearing the Land, and you can get Lots of deliverance just going through uh, that book. It, it covers occult things. It covers uh, different the different curses in the Bible. It shows you how to break those curses. Uh, I wrote a little book on uh, if you feel like you're being attacked by Satanists or by people in witchcraft, a little book called uh, Spiritual Warfare Prayers, with prayers you can pray, and uh, you can order those online. Um, I've, wrote a, I've written a book um, called Resetting Life's Negative Reaping Patterns. Uh, it basically shows you why life goes a certain way and how to correct it. A book on grief, exchanging sorrow uh, to joy. And there's lots of little books that I've written. And there's lots of free messages you can listen to with deliverance prayers. And uh, if, if this program has blessed you, if you want to uh, give a gift, we would appreciate it. Um, it's your faithfulness and helping us that helps us minister. And I would just also encourage you, the lady that sponsors these uh, blog talk radio shows, uh, and there's uh, she has other programs too besides this one. Uh, but if you want to give a gift to her ministry, it's D for Dorothy, Churchy, C-H-U-R-C-H-Y-1 at hotmail.com. And you can also send a gift uh, through jerrymcgee.com through PayPal. And, um, you know, I've not, uh, I don't take a salary. None of the money goes to me, but it goes directly to the ministry because it costs money to print books. It costs money to run an office, to pay the light bill, to pay a secretary. And um, anyway, we just appreciate anything that you could give. And we also... Uh, We're very grateful for those of you who do contribute. So we just say um, uh, that we love you. If you would like a a minister, if you would like a deliverance uh, seminar scheduled in your area, you can contact me at Jerry McGee at sbcglobal.net. That's G like George, E-R-I, 
M-C-G-H-E-E at sbcglobal.net. I appreciate you listening. If you are in the Duncanville area, I have a Duncanville seminar that will be um, Saturday, May the 13th. It's in Duncanville. It's free. Duncanville um, borders Dallas on the south side of Dallas. Right, um, It's right off of Interstate 20. Uh, it starts at 10 o'clock, and we usually go till uh, 4 o'clock. Sometimes we leave earlier, um, albeit um, Lake Hamilton Bible Camp on the 25th of um, 25th through 28th. Um, I'll be at Lake Hamilton Bible Camp on <clears throat> June 30th through July the 4th. <clears throat> uh, Lake Hamilton Bible Camp August the 31st through September the 3rd. I'll be in York, Pennsylvania September the 28th through the 30th, and I'll be in Corpus Christi in September. That that date's not been scheduled. Also, there's a place you can sign up for my email, and that'll you'll get flyers and notifications where I'm going to be in case all of this changes or in case there's other places. But I hope you'll, if you've been blessed, I hope you'll contact us. If we can help you, you can, again, you can email me at jerrymcgee at sbcglobal.net. If you want to write to us, you can write to Jerry McGee, Post Office Box, 1141 Lindale, Texas, Abiding Life Ministries. Uh, zip code is 75771. Well, uh, may the Lord bless you and keep you and may he make his face shine upon you and give you even more peace. Thank you for listening in. I hope you'll listen in again the first and third Tuesdays of each month from 6 to 8 p.m. Central Time. 